Section twelve of Cleek of Scotland Yard by Thomas W. Hanshu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter nine. The suggestion was acted upon immediately, even Mrs. Armroyd joining in the descent upon the portable lamps and filing out with the rest into the gloom and loneliness of the grounds and miss renfrew finding that she was likely to be left alone in this house of horrors rose quickly and hurried out with them one step beyond the threshold brought them within sight of the famous round-house bulked against the pale silver of the moonlit sky there it stood a grim unlovely thing of stone and steel with a trampled flower-bed encircling the base of it and a man on guard constable gorham Lummy, I'd clean forgot him, exclaimed Mr. Nippers as he caught sight of him. And there un be keeping guard like I told un out here in the grounds whiles we'm been talking comfortable inside. He do be a chap for doing as he'm told, that Gorham, indeed, yes. Nobody replied to him. All were busily engaged in following the lead of Scotland Yard as represented by Cleek and Superintendent Narkom and bearing down on that huge stone tube within whose circular walls a dead man sat alone dreary post this constable said cleek coming abreast of the silent guard yes sir very but duty's duty and there you be replied gorham touching his helmet with his finger then as the light from the lamps fell upon cleek's face and let him see that it was no face he had ever seen in this district before his eyes widened with a puzzled stare which never quite left them even when the entire group had passed on and turned the curve of the roundhouse wall and beyond that curve cleek came to a sudden halt here a curtainless window cut a square of light in the wall's dark face and struck a glare on the trunk and the boughs of a lime-tree directly opposite and under that window a trampled flower-bed lay with curious marks deep sunk in the soft moist surface of it cleek took the lamp from mrs armroyd's hand and bending looked at them closely mr nippers had not exaggerated when he said that they were all of twelve inches in length nor was he far out when he declared that they looked like the footprints of some creature that was part animal and part bird for there they were with three huge claw-like projections in front and a solitary one behind and so like to the mark which a gigantic bird could have made that one might have said such a creature had made them only that it was impossible for anything to fly that was possessed of weight sufficient to drive those huge footprints so deeply into the earth as they had been driven by the mere walking of the thing claws and the marks of scales mr nippers had asserted and claws and the marks of scales the prints in the soft earth showed la la the horror of them exclaimed mrs armroyd putting up her little hands and averting her face it could kill and kill and kill horses oxen anything an abominable creature like that what do you figure it to have been monsieur souls of the saints what blessed if i know said cleek only of course it couldn't possibly be anything human so we may put the idea of the old chap having been killed by anything of his kind out of our minds altogether 
it is perfectly clear that the creature whatever it might be got in through the window there you see it is open and killed him before he could call out for help or strike a blow in his own defence eh but window's six foot up mr headland sir put in nippers excitedly and i'm a thing the weight of that going to fly in didn't fly in my friend replied cleek with an air of lofty superiority use your wits man it jumped in from the tree there look here see going to it and tapping certain abrasions upon the trunk here's where it peeled off the bark in climbing up lord man why it's plain as the nose on your face ten to one we shall find the same sort of footprints when we go into the laboratory damp ones you know from the moisture of the earth and to make sure in case we do find them let's take the length of the things and see got a tape measure with you no oh well lend me your handcuffs if you've got a pair with you and we can manage a measurement with those thanks very much now then let's see one two three by jupiter three fingers longer than these things chain and all that'll do now then let's go in and see about the others lead the way miss renfrew if you will she would and did leading the way back to the covered passage she opened a door in the side of it a door designed to let the inventor out into the grounds without going through the house if he so desired and conducted them to the laboratory leaving constable gorham to continue his dreary sentry duty outside at any time the interior of that huge stone-walled steel-lined tube must have been unlovely and depressing to all but the man who laboured in it but to-night with that man sitting dead in it with his face to the open window a lamp beside him and stiff hands resting on the pages of a book that lay open on the desk's flat top it was doubly so for added to its other unpleasant qualities there was now a disagreeable odour and a curious eye-smarting throat-roughening heaviness in the atmosphere which was like to nothing so much as the fumes thrown off by burnt chemicals cleek gave one or two sniffs at the air as he entered glanced at mr narkom then walked straightway to the desk and looked into the dead man's face under the marks of the scratches and cuts upon it marks which would seem to carry out the idea of an animal's attack the features were distorted and discoloured and the hair of beard and moustache was curiously crinkled and discoloured cleek stopped dead short as he saw that face and his swaggering flippant cocksure air of a minute before dropped from him like a discarded mantle hello this doesn't look quite so promising for the animal theory as it did he flung out sharply this man has been shot shot with a shell filled with his own soundless and annihilating devil's invention lithamite and bomb-throwing is not a trick of beasts of a lower order than the animal tribe look here mr narkom see the lock of the desk has been broken shut the door there nippers let nobody leave the room there has been murder and robbery here and the thing that climbed that tree was not an animal nor yet a bird it was a cut-throat and a thief 
naturally enough this statement produced something in the nature of a panic miss renfrew indeed appearing to be on the verge of fainting and it is not at all unlikely that she would have slipped to the floor but for the close proximity of mrs armroyd that's right madame get a chair put her into it she will need all her strength presently i promise you wait a bit better have a doctor i fancy and an inquiry into the whereabouts of mr charles drummond mr narkom cut out will you and wire this message to that young man's employer pens and papers were on the dead man's desk cleek bent over scratched off some hurried lines and passed them to the superintendent sharp's the word please we've got ugly business on hand and we must know about that drummond chap without delay miss renfrew has not been telling the truth to-night look at this man rigor mortis pronounced feel him muscles like iron flesh like ice she says that he spoke to her at a quarter to eight o'clock i tell you that at a quarter to eight this man had been dead upward of an hour good god exclaimed mr narkom but his cry was cut into by a wilder one from miss renfrew oh, oh no oh no she protested starting up from her seat only to drop back into it strengthless shaking ghastly pale it could not be it could not i have told the truth nothing but the truth he did speak to me at a quarter to eight he did he did constable gorham was there he heard him he will tell you the same yes yes i know you said so but will he he looks a sturdy straight-going honest sort of chap who couldn't be coaxed or bribed into backing up a lie so send him in as you go out mr narkom we'll see what he has to say what he had to say when he came in a few moments later was what miss renfrew had declared an exact corroboration of her statement he had seen a man whom he fancied was sir ralph droger run out of the grounds and he had suggested to miss renfrew that they had better look into the roundhouse and see if all was right with mr nosworth they had looked in as she had said and mr nosworth had called out and asked her what the devil she was coming in and disturbing him for and it was a quarter to eight o'clock exactly sure about that are you questioned cleek yes sir sure as that i'm telling you so this minute how do you fix the exact time as we came out of the covered passage miss renfrew looked at her wrist-watch and says impatient-like there i've lost another two minutes and am that much later for nothing see it's a quarter to eight good night then she cut off over the grounds and leaves me la la exclaimed mrs armroyd approvingly there's the brave heart to come to mademoiselle's rescue so gallantly but yes i make you the cake of plums for that mon cher monsieur of the yard of scotland he can no more torture the poor stricken child after that not he but cleek appeared to be less easy to convince than she had hoped for he pursued the subject still questioning gorham to needless length it seemed trying his best to trip him up to shake his statement but always failing and indeed going over the same ground to such length that one might have thought he was endeavouring to gain time 
if he was he certainly succeeded for it was quite fifteen minutes later when mr narkom returned to the round-house and he was at it still indeed he did not conclude to give it up as a bad job until the superintendent came get it off all right did you mr narkom he asked glancing round as he heard him enter quite all right old chap right as rain in every particular thanks very much i'm having rather a difficult task of it for our friend the constable here corroborates miss renfrew's statement to the hair and yet i am absolutely positive that there is a mistake there is no mistake no not one the wicked one to say it still oh that's all very well madame but i know what i know and when you tell me that a dead man can ask questions pah, the fact of the matter is the constable merely fancies he heard mr nosworth speak that's where the mistake comes in now look here i once knew of an exactly similar case and i'll tell you just how it happened let us suppose strolling leisurely forward let us suppose that this space here is the covered passage and you madame step here a moment please thanks very much and you are miss renfrew and gorham here is himself and standing beside her as he did then wasn't beside her sir at least not just exactly a bit behind her like this oh very well then that will do now then here's the passage and here are you and i'll just show you how a mistake could occur and how it did occur under precisely similar circumstances once upon a time when i was in paris in paris monsieur yes madame this little thing i'm going to tell you about happened there you may or may not have heard that a certain frenchy dramatist wrote a play called chanticlay or maybe you never heard of it didn't eh well it's a play where all the characters are barnyard creatures dogs poultry birds and the like and the odd fancy of men and women dressing up like fowls took such a hold on the public that before long there were chanticlay dances and chanticlay parties in all the houses and chanticleer turns on at all the music halls until wherever one went for an evening's amusement one was pretty sure to see somebody or other dressed up like a cock or a hen and running the thing to death but that's another story and we'll pass over it now it just so happened that one night when the craze for the thing was dying out and barnyard dresses could be bought for a song i strolled into a little fourth-rate cafe at montmartre and there saw the only chanticleer dancer that i ever thought was worth a sou she was a pretty dainty little thing light as a feather and graceful as a fairy alone i think she might have made her mark but she was one of what in music-halldom they call a team her partner was a man bad dancer an indifferent singer but a really passable ventriloquist a ventriloquist monsieur uh, uh. cleek madame name's cleek if you don't mind cleek oh lummy blurted out mr nippers 
but neither madame nor constable gorham said anything they merely swung round and made a sudden bolt and cleek making a bolt too pounced down on them like a leaping cat and the sharp click click of the handcuffs he had borrowed from mr nippers told just when he linked their two wrists together game's up madame fifine otherwise madame nosworth the worthless wife of a worthless husband he rapped out sharply game's up mr henry nosworth bandit pickpocket and murderer there's a hot corner in hell waiting for the brute beast that could kill his own father and would for the simple sake of money get at him quick mr narkom he's got one free hand nip the paper out of his pocket before the brute destroys it played sir played buck up miss renfrew buck up little girl you'll get your boy and you'll get mr septimus nosworth's promised fortune after all god's in his heaven and all's right with the world end of section twelve